I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. You're listening to TalkSport 2. I'm Hannah Wilkes and this is the Lions Daily. Six warm-up matches played and now all eyes turn towards the main event. There are no more opportunities for the players to put their case forward for selection. No more chances to prove their fitness and form. It all comes down now to three matches against South Africa. We've got a whole week to build up to that first test though so let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Over the next hour we'll look back on the Lions victory over the Stormers yesterday and we'll hear from Warren Gatland. We'll also look at some of the key selection dilemmas facing the Lions coaching team. Former England and British and Irish Lions prop Alex Corbusiero will be with us. South Africa A lost their final warm-up match to the Bulls yesterday. The Bulls president Willem Strauss will be with us to chat all about it and we'll also go through some of the more light-hearted moments from TalkSport's commentary yesterday. They had some fun. So the Lions played their final warm-up match yesterday ahead of the three-test series against South Africa. They defeated the Stormers 49-3. All the action was live on TalkSport's. Josh Adams is out there looking to cut back inside. Five metres from the uh, touchline. Adam Beard, the second row, will go in and the Lions will score a really well-worked team try. Look, there were some really good performances. I thought Luke was good. Chicken Rose played well. And Luke Howardick is going to come away. He comes away with the ball and he's tackled just short of the line, but the momentum will take him over and he reaches out, places it and scores. First try as a Lion and with six to the break, Stormers three, Lions 12. Obviously, I want to put my best foot forward. Um, I try and play my best rugby most games. Obviously, sometimes you get that, sometimes you don't. You know, I think I did put a foot closer forward potentially to get into 23. It's a bid to hog to uh, Johnny Hill and the Exeter connection puts the Lions in for a third try of the first half. I thought the Lions really took control, managed to get some tempo into the game and they sort of really uh, take, took the game away essentially from the storm. Jamie George from Luke Cowan Dickey, lovely little inside ball for Elliot Daly who combines with Jack Conan and Jack Conan will go in from 20 metres out. Everyone on this tour couldn't have done more, couldn't have put more effort in and there's going to be some disappointed people. Bonapola is stopped, Ty Byrne looks right, goes left, gets to within a metre or so of the line. Ferguson will pick up the tight end prop and he's up and over the line and Wayne Barnes gives the try. Marcus Smith has added the uh, conversion by the way off the Xander Ferguson try so it's 35 points to three now but Marcus Smith you know to play the full 80 minutes to play with that composure 
to come you know, into this side, kick brilliantly out of hand. The Lions have gone from in their own 22, and here comes Marcus Smith, who's taking it up to the halfway line, gives it to Lewis Rees-Samit, and the Lions are going to go 95 metres, and Lewis Rees-Samit will score. Great performance on the boys. It made my job a lot easier when I came on. You know, we wore them out first half. Ty Byrne again, bunched to a hog up to the 22, finds Sam Simmons. No one's going to stop Sam Simmons there. He scores tries, and he's got a try for the British and Irish Lions this afternoon. The warm-ups are done and dusted. From here on in, it is Test Match Rugby all the way. Full-time at Greenpoint Stadium, Stormers 3, British and Irish Lions 49. You could call it a slow start, but the Lions did what they uh, came to South Africa to do. Got a big win once again over regional opposition. Um, we're going to talk a lot about the big selection decisions facing Warren Gatland later on and throughout the show, really. But first, the Lions head coach admitted that he was pleased with what he saw from his side yesterday. Look, there were some really good performances. I thought Luke was good. Chicken Rose played well. Some good stuff from from the back row, obviously, with um, Marcus Smith as you know, the longer the game went on, the better he looked and, and more comfortable out there. Doan was, was strong on the wing too. So, yeah, look, a number of players were good. And then I was, I was very, really pleased with the bench too, how the impact that they had coming off and kept the pressure on and kept the momentum. And we scored some lovely tries, particularly in that second half. Yeah, it was a good second half in terms of tries scored. Um, Alfie Reynolds is alongside me, as always, Talk Sports' very own Alfie Reynolds. Um, what did you make of the game yesterday, the final warm-up game? I can't believe we got through them all and we saw as many British Irish Lions performances as we expected. Yeah, exactly. I think it was a, it was a, back to the blueprint of the other warm-up games if you ignore the South Africa A match, which was a, talk about that a big, tougher test, but also a, a good insight into probably what the test match is mm. going to be like. I thought... The Lions started fairly slowly. I think yeah. I heard in commentary there the score wasn't really that high at halftime. But then they ran away with it. They showed their quality. Uh, and I feel excited, Hannah. I feel excited chatting now, looking ahead to the week we've got because I can't wait for the chat about selection and all the debates and everyone disagreeing about how can you not have that many players in your team? Why don't you have the Scottish players in the team? Too many English. Look, it's going to be a great week. It's going to be a big week. We're going to cover it all here on the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. We certainly are. And it's already started, hasn't it? All the Sunday papers today, everyone's doing their, their starting test 15. Plenty of uh, permutations. I do love that word to talk about. But look, who do you think gave a good account of themselves yesterday? And, you know... We'll talk about it later. Some say that the test team will have already been picked. I don't think that's probably so likely or, or probable. Might have been the case in previous tours. But with this one, I, I struggle to believe that Warren Gatlin's got it inked in already. Who did you find put in a really good account and gave him a little nudge, something to think about? Um, I think that it was great to see Stuart Hogg out there. Obviously, he had the frustration of being a close contact to Gregor Townsend, so missed a lot of rugby in the last kind of 10 days or, or couple of weeks or so. So it was good to see him back out there. I don't think he did his case any harm in terms of being selected at fullback. I thought Ali Price looked very, very good. I know a lot of people have got Conor Murray nailed on as their nine, but Ali Price, I would say, on the tour so far has done everything he possibly can to put his hand forward so why he should be the starting nine. I, I was I was pretty impressed with him. And there's a lot of good performances in in the back row and in the second row. And in fact, in the whole forward pack, once again, Jack Conan, Ty Byrne, I thought was really, really impressive, the two Irish guys. So look, there's going to be a lot of um, headaches over the next few days for those coaches, I think. There certainly are. And actually, you know what? The whole front row 
is a complete headache, as is the back row. Scrum half, I think Ali Price, showed a little bit of, of electricity, a little bit of a sparkiness that you don't quite get with Conor Murray. And we've discussed it before, haven't we, about his usefulness off the bench, but you start to wonder. And um, in, in terms of, sort of the backs, Duane van der Merwe, I mean, you can't really leave him out at this point, but... There's so much strength in this squad. Do you think with Van der Merwe, because so me and Tim on Friday's Lions Daily, we, we went through and we said if the, the first test was tomorrow, who's our team? And, and neither of us included Van der Merwe. And we both said that we have a little, we have some concerns about him defensively. Yeah. Interestingly, Andrew McKenna and James Haskell on commentary yesterday for Talk Sport kind of mentioned that, that a lot of people point that out. But look at what he can do. And maybe that's what Warren Gatlin will look look at because there's no denying with ball in hand so far in the warm-ups, he's been destructive, he's been incredibly dangerous. So maybe it is a case that, that we've been a little unfair on him and you have to look at the positives rather than the negatives. Having said that, I probably am still going to stick to my guns there. I personally, right now wouldn't put him in my starting test team. No, I think he did his best, didn't he, though, to make Warren Gatlin give it give it another thought, perhaps. Um, yesterday was, of course, the final chance for the players to earn their spot in the side that will take on South Africa on Saturday. We are now six days away from the first test. Stuart Hogg captained the team yesterday once again. He told TalkSport there's simply no more that the players can do. That was a kind of final dress rehearsal, you could say, and you know we're in a position now to, to pick a team that, that's going to go out there and and hopefully be victorious next Saturday. And there'll be 20, 23 lucky boys involved, and there'll be some disappointed faces, but look, we, we've talked about um, this being a squad effort throughout the whole campaign, throughout the whole tour. Um, you know, I, I'm led to believe there's 80-odd people here on tour with us, uh, and that's what it's all about. We're all here for the same purpose, the same goal, and that's to be a part of a successful Lions tour. And now we're ready to rock and roll. They're ready to rock and roll. I mean, I think the thing that stands out for me, Alfie, is just how tough it's going to be for the guys that aren't in the test side on this particular line store because they're essentially now not playing any rugby and just been training guys for three weeks, unless, you know, injury, all the rest of it. But it's tough. Really yeah, and, tough. That, and, and I think there will be changes between the test teams, but I know what you mean. I, th- I think it is a difficult period for them. But what has impressed us and has, has been quite noticeable throughout the tour so far has has been the mood in the camp and actually how there, had, there hasn't been any grumbles of, oh, this, this is really difficult because of COVID and, you know, we're not able to get out and amongst the community as we normally are. So I would expect that whilst no doubt from a professional standpoint it is, of course, going to be disappointing for those players that aren't in the 23 for Saturday in that first test. They still have a role to play on the training pitch. You get the, the impression that the mood in the camp is, is pretty good. So I wouldn't expect it to have too much of an impact. Where do you think lies the biggest selection headache? <laughs> because I'm just looking at it now and every time I think about this, I, I sort of change my mind because you know, Luke Cowan Dickey I thought was great yesterday and you think about it, you know, a lot, a lot of people have got sort of Jamie George nailed on there. It's like what you do with the front row, front row, headache, yep. back row, headache, possibly a taller headache just based <laughs> on physiology. And you just think, where is the, where's the biggest headache and what is the most important piece of the puzzle to fix when you're playing South Africa because I think it's got to be that the, 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 the pack. Yeah, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head there with those two areas. So first of all, the front row, we, we saw how South Africa's scrum decimated England in the World Cup final. I mean, South Africa were better in a lot of other areas, but ultimately it, it was the scrum that gave them an absolute stranglehold on that game. That very first scrum set the tone and South Africa, A, and I am using the quotation marks around A, as mm-hmm. I say it, not that you can, you can tell when you're listening to this in audio we, form. We all know though, I you think. Know, I'm doing the a, mm-hmm. um, they did the same on Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. So, so I think that the front row is going to be massive. And I think the front row is interesting. We might come on to this a bit more later in the show when we talk more about selections. But I think there's guys that have perhaps started the tour really well in the front row. 
and then possibly, you know, their form isn't quite as strong and then there's others who didn't start as well and now look really good. So the front row and then the back row. I mean, (laughs) picking your options out of that. Will they play a second row, a traditional second row at six? And then what does it mean then for who you pick in, in the other spots? It It is going to be fascinating this week, Hannah. Um, we'll be right across it on Talk Sport 2. You can hear Lions Daily every single day. We are your home of rugby this summer, bringing you every single second of the Lions tour to South Africa, every single game, live across the TalkSport network, plus the Lions Daily, which you're listening to right now on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. Um, Coming up next, uh, we're going to be joined by former British and Irish Lion, Alex Corbusiero. Don't go anywhere. made that call early to England to get Alex over. Well, he's a quality player. I mean, he's, he's been a little bit, little bit unlucky with injuries this year. If he hadn't have been injured, he would have been definitely in contention, potentially as, a, as an original selection anyway. Phillips, a short ball, and they run over and it's a try. Welcome back to the Lions Daily. That should be a glorious reminder that it doesn't matter if you're an injury call-up to the Lions, you can still have a huge impact when it comes to the Test Series. Alex Corbusier scoring the first try in the third Test against Australia back in 2013. The Lions, of course, as if you need reminding, went on to win the game and the series. And I'm delighted to say that Alex, all the way from the west coast of the USA, joins us now. Alex, great to have you on Lions Daily. How are you doing? Uh, great to be here. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks for that amazing introduction. Uh, some some old memories flooding back with some of those sound bites. I can see a reflection of your uh, Zoom call in the glass behind producer Alfie. And I saw a smile <laughs> as you heard them say, Hax Corp Sierra over the line. Um, great memories for, for all British and Irish Lions fans. And of course, for you. Um, what have you made then of what's a very different tour to the one you went on all that time ago? What have you made of the tour to South Africa so far? Uh, very different indeed. Uh, it, it's it's its own unique tour in its own right. And I think, you know, there's been some real positives. I think there's some, some of the rugby we've seen, some of the combinations we've seen have been incredible. That's what the Lions are about. These amazing players from all these teams coming together and trying to form a team that can take on one of the greats in world rugby. And, and that's been amazing. It's been sad not having the same sea of red and the fan experience. But then also, like, if you look at some of the, the negatives, I, I feel like this is a really tough team to pick just because, we haven't seen a lot of tough reps of tough competition with these guys under pressure. So some big calls to make for Warren Gatlin and his team. And I think the biggest challenge is getting selection right and then getting them fired up for this first test because it's going to be very physical and very intense from the first whistle. Absolutely. We'll, we'll discuss selection in a bit of detail in, in a moment. But you, you mentioned there, you know, not really seeing that much and the opposition not of being maybe the best it could be in terms of preparation. Do you think with the games the Lions have, been pl- uh, have played so far, with the exception, of course, of the South Africa A game on, on Wednesday, do you think there's a, there's a real risk here that the lines are a little bit undercooked because of the quality of the opposition? I think it was always a risk and it's not always just the quality of opposition. I think it's the, the fewer games together as well and the consistent building from sort of the earlier warm-up sort of more games into that sort of run into 
test intensity, which is lacking a little bit. The good side is you've got an amazing squad of players that will come off the back of a long season that should be ready to go bar one or two injury chops and changes. But I definitely think this is probably the most undercooked line side we're going to see play a first test that I can remember. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you there. Let's talk about selection then. Greg Laidlaw was part of our uh, talk sport coverage yesterday. He watched the match at the Redwood Pub and he explained how the team found out whether they'd been selected or not for the first test back in 2017. Listen to this. It was essentially just done a, a team selection from what I'm led to believe. I mean, I was involved in the test, sadly. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if the players were tipped off. I, I believe they weren't. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very much probably normally if it's a Saturday test match or Saturday game, you, you'll find out on the, probably the Tuesday morning. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll name it early tomorrow night, you know, just to give the players clarity and that confidence and the team can get together a day earlier to get that preparation. So, you know, I would name, I would imagine, to the team sometime between Monday night and, and Tuesday morning. It's basically, a team meeting, a team selection meeting, so everybody knows what's coming. So, it's, it's all pretty quiet uh, and respectful and... Uh, you know, and, and if your name's read out, obviously the guys are ecstatic, but, you know, a lot of handshakes and congratulations and, you know, I guess commiserations as well for other boys. But, you know, there's another two tests after, obviously, the first test to look to as well. So back in 2013, how did you find out whether you'd made the test squad or not? And just how sort of nervous was the atmosphere ahead of those team announcements? Uh, it's incredibly nervous. And I'm trying to remember back. I believe we played a midweek the lot, the week of the first test. So that meant he didn't actually name it to the Thursday, which I think was after that midweek. So it was really sort of nerve wracking for that. And then Gats, from, from my experience, he does it in a team meeting. He doesn't pre sort of empt people. He, he announces the team in the team meeting and then you get on with the day for training or whatever. My experience was a little different. I got tipped off by Graham Roundtree, who's no obviously... <laughs> <laughs> like a mentor, a dad to me. And I just think, um, you know, after the journey I'd had that year with injuries and finally getting on the tour and then I, I, I don't think he could hold back. And, you know, I say that now because time has passed, but I would never, you know, throw anyone on the bus for breaking protocol, but it, it meant a lot to me as well. And it's quite a special moment, however you find out. And, you know, I, I'll cherish that forever because it, it was honestly, it was, it was a peace of mind after a lot of worrying and, and, uh, and questioning in your head. And then you finally get the nod and, and you just sort of, everything else stops still and you're just ready to zone in on that test. And that's why I agree with Laidlaw. I think they'll name it this week as early as possible to just get on the same page and just commit to the side they're going with and go, you know, full pedal to the medal. I've got to ask, so you got this tip off then from Graham Roundtree, you know, that you're, you're going to be in the, in the test court. How did you keep that to yourself? Because you must well, have just been over the just moon. Before, he only told me just before the meeting. Okay. So obviously it wasn't like... I had tons of time. He just looked sure. at me and gave me a, you're in kid and a little hug and a wink. And, uh, you know, that was all I needed. But yeah, it, it was probably 10, 10 minutes max before everyone else found out. So it wasn't much to deal with. Not, not enough time to let the cat out of the bag. Good, good. I had to ask because um, yeah. keeping secrets like that is hard when you're excited. So, you know, as you mentioned, exactly. you, you got on the, on the tour late in 2013, went that had torrid time with injury, got the call up to replace Kean Healy. So you know sort of how Adam Beard, Josh Navidi, Kyle Sinclair and, and even Marcus Smith are feeling this week. When you're a late call up, how hopeful can you be of making that test team because you know I was actually having a conversation with someone earlier today saying Marcus Smith might be pulling an Alex Corbusiero here getting called out as a late replacement and made a good account of himself yesterday so what's it like for those guys who you know weren't necessarily on the tour from the get-go when it comes to, to test selection is there a sense of we got out here against the odds so it you know anything can happen and we're okay with it what's what's the mood 
I think you've got to remember with the Lions that to get on that plane or to be in that tour, you have to be an exceptional player. Like, in my opinion, to be there, regardless if you're a late call-up or not, if you make that cut, you are in a sort of bracket of player, which is, you know, nearer the top players in the world. So I think all players are on once you're on the tour. Obviously, there's a hierarchy and there's players that were picked before, but, but there's also competition. Gats will pick the players that he thinks are going to do the best job. He is not going to care about who he picked in May, April time, and who's here now. He's going to care about who does he think is going to do the job on the weekend. And that's why I think once those players are in that environment, just go for it, lads. Train like a professional, play your heart out. And the opportunities, if Gats see you and you're the right guy, you will get it. It doesn't matter that you're a late call-up. I can testament to that. I had a fair bit of time uh, compared to some guys like Marcus Smith who've just arrived. But take those shots and Gats will reward you when the time comes. So let's talk about the front row then, because, um, I mean, we've tried, we've hypothesised it's selection headache from front to back, really, when you've got this squad available. Front row then, who would be your starting three? So this is this is the issue. Um, I obviously picked my team, not Gats's team that I think he's going to pick, but what I would pick just off watching the games. And I think it's so hard. Uh, it's up to interpretation. And I got a lot of, you know, English bias fired back at me, which is fair enough. So... The front row I picked, which is obviously going to annoy some people, is I went Mako to start. I think in that last 35 minutes uh, that he came on against Africa A, he really showed some glimpses of him at his best. And I think his set piece was really good against a massive pack. So for me, I would consider him the nod, but I'm going to think that Gats is going to pick Win Jones on form, consistency, the scrum being a big battle against uh, the South Africans. But I really think the scrum's going to be an issue. But I also think the contacts and the collisions are going to be an issue. And that's why my front row also, I've got Cowan Dickey in there. I think it's any three of the hookers are going to do a great job. But I think his low chop tackling, same as Mako, I want the guys who are going to chop those big runners on the game line as well as give me scrum ball. And that's why I kind of went for them. And I actually went for Sinclair over Furlong, which I think is what upset people the most. Probably. I think Gatland is, I think Gatland is going to pick Furlong. I think him and Sinclair are right up there in the elite bracket of the best tight ends in the world. And I think if you have either in the three shirt in your team, you're laughing at international rugby. This, this myth needs to be dispelled that if they pick any of those threes, one might get munched and one is going to do well. It is not the case. I think all of these front rows are very capable. So I think Gats is going to pick Furlong. Cowan Dickey, I think he'll pick based on the form, but that's another really hard call with the experience of the other two. So my front row is very different to what I think Gats has picked. Gats, I think, is going to go Win Jones, Cowan Dickey, Furlong. I would have swapped for the English props and put those guys on the bench, mainly because I think that the scrum at the end of the game is really what could grind the game out. I think it's going to be an arm wrestle of the game. Penalties, field position, kicking points are going to be massive, stopping them all, stopping the Saffers on the front foot as they sort of you know, besiege the Lions 22, having some, you know, big scrum penalties at the end of the game is another way to win, win a test match for me as well. So I think it's all about balance, but I honestly think whichever way they go, the Lions are in a really good place as long as they pick a big enough pack to handle the weight of the spring box in some of those scrum exchanges. On Kyle Sinclair, of course, he was an injury replacement um, but you know on the plane to start with and and you think of this sort of unfinished business he's got against South Africa after what happened to him in the World Cup final what do you think he brings to to the front row that the others maybe don't because I see him as quite like a battering ram he just gets in there and gets involved exactly I think um for me Carl Sinker is world class I, I do you know as sad as it is to say sometimes wonder what that that World Cup final would have been like if he had been there for 60 70 minutes of the game he is a difference maker for me in any team he's in. His set piece is phenomenal. He's worked on that through his whole career. But then the X factor and the involvements you get around the park, like 
The South Africa are the most direct physical team, in my opinion, in world rugby. They will bludgeon you with big carry after big carry. That first sort of 10, 15 minutes in the South Africa A game, to me, is what worried me the most. And I honestly think Carl Sinclair is one of the best at the world, if not the best of the world, in a tight edge shirt at just flying off the line and just chopping people low and effectively getting that offensive chop and stopping game line carriers. I think Joe Marler is another one in world rugby who does it so well. So for me, it's Sinclair's carrying, his soft hands, his scrum is world-class, but why I would want him in my team are those low chops against the big carriers. But I do think he'll be on the bench, but I think him and Mako and whichever hooker they pick, Jamie George or Ken Owens is another really tough call, are going to come on and make a big impact wherever they get on the field. But I honestly think, you know, Sinclair was really tough to not make the team in the first place, but I also know that he's a test-caliber starter. And if he gets the nod, he'll be fine. If Furlong gets a nod, he'll be fine. And what a tag team to have two of the best tight ends in the world go one after the other. It really, you know, gives me peace of mind that they have those players to go toe-to-toe with the box because the set piece is going to be a massive battle. We know the set piece and the scrum and the breakdown are going to be huge. Where else are we going to get this test series won and lost? Because, you know, we've talked about the lines. You know, you, you said yourself, probably the most undercooked line side going into the first test. But South Africa have only played two games to, since the World Cup final against Georgia and, and uh, yesterday against the Bulls, which which they lost. Um, it's, it's, it's a hard one to predict. Where do we get the edge here? Well, I think when you play South Africa, you have to take them on in some key areas. And I think obviously set piece at the scrum and more is going to be a huge battle. Those collisions in the game line are going to be enormous. And then the other area where they're really crafty is the kicking game and their transition attack with the wingers of Colby off kicker town, uh, Ches and Colby off kick counter or whatever. So their kicking game has to be bang on. And that South Africa game, A game, I thought they were a little off with their kicking game, with their strategy, with putting pressure back on the South Africans. In the second half, they turned that round a lot more and they got a lot more reward in the game. So I think that kicking exchange from 9, 10, uh, 15, depending, or Elliot Daly at 13, using his boot cleverly if he plays, I think that's going to be a big area. And then the tempo of their attack, generating quick ball with their carries, but then using the speed, the playmakers, the wingers roaming off their wings, creating line breaks, finishing things. And I'm excited to see the Lions really launch some set piece plays because they've really not shown much of any line out. But I'm imagining with the players they have and the intricate sort of playmakers and and pace and speed options, there's going to be a lot of creativity off set piece that's going to look to try and, you know, disrupt or move or catch out the South African defense. So there's a lot of layers of the Lions, I do not think we've fully seen, which are going to start to sort of, you know, roll out as they take on these tests against South Africa. Because I know from, you know, full experience in 2013, when we played down there, the game plan was to play in the, in the warm-up games, everything off 10. But when we were coming to the tests, all of our shape was off nine. We were coming direct, physical, coming at them confrontational. But we just didn't want to overshow our hand before those games. And I kind of feel like the Lions done a little bit of that as well, that, we don't quite know their clear identity. And part of that's because the selection's not really had enough time to figure itself out. And certain combinations you thought at the beginning of the test would be bang on. Then you get an injury or something and then you're not quite sure. All these things, you know, haven't quite given us the runway to see exactly what the Lions are going to do. But I do expect more layers to their game to sort of, you know, be clever and box clever against a very physical game sort of opponent in South Africa. 
Alex Corbusiero, thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy and a privilege to have you with us on Lions Daily, former British and Irish Lion, and of course, former Premiership winning Northampton Saints. I have to get that in there. Uh, this is the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus be drink aware. Across the uh, TalkSport network, we've got commentary of every single game of the Lions Tour to South Africa. Next up, we're going to be joined by Willem Strauss, the president of the Vodacom Bulls. They beat the Springboks yesterday. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. the gap from Horsen inside from Keegan Johannes that's a beautiful score from the Bulls and nothing less than they deserve for their efforts I think it was an opportunity for us to, to play and get game time we haven't got a lot of game time with matches being cancelled we knew they are going to be desperate but I think the guys still underestimated how desperate the Bulls team is going to be kicking to the inside it's all on the bounce and Romano is in under the post wow there was a lot of opportunities out there um, which we left on the park where we should be simple and, and basic and, and go forward and we try to, to throw a ball which is not on or do something which is not on. Slugger was lost forward and gathered by Nizam Kar who kicks the ball out over the dead ball line and raises his arms in triumph. Welcome back to the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. And it wasn't just the Lions who played their final warm-up match yesterday. South Africa A also had their final run-out before the first test next Saturday. Despite leading 14-0 at one stage, they lost to the Bulls 17-14. And I'm delighted to say that the Bulls president, Willem Strauss, joins me now. Willem, thank you so much for joining us. I bet you're uh, basking in uh, the, the, uh, the leftovers of a great victory yesterday. <laughs> Hello, Anna. Yeah, nice talking to you. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was good. It wasn't uh, 
But it's like really then really giving the the Spinbok eighteen eye some some much needed game practice. It was actually a, a very easy and a quick decision to make once Sarri have uh, requested us to, to play against the Spinbok eighteen as part of the preparation for the series against the British and Irish Lions. But yeah, it's always good to get a win against uh, against international competitors. Uh, that's for sure. Do you think that you were underestimated at all by the, the South Africa? I keep saying A team, but it wasn't quite that A team. South Africa A team, do they underestimate you a bit? <laughs> yeah, well, I won't, I won't know they underestimated us. I think they'll probably focus on the upcoming series. And uh, yeah, then you can sometimes slip up. Eh? Maybe, maybe. Well, look, we, we've heard from um, Jacques Nienaber, who said why he felt that uh, his South African side struggled against your Bulls. Here he is. We didn't know who we played up to yesterday when the MAG met. I think at 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock, it might have been the SAA, uh, the Lions A, then it might have been the Bulls again. So, uh, first thing, I, we didn't do any analysis on them. Uh, so, again, yes, our pack wasn't dominant, but... Normally, we would do proper analysis on a team, how they contest, how they stop malls, uh, what their tactics is in scrum time. We haven't done any of that because we just didn't have time to analyze them. Uh, we played on Wednesday, and I'm not looking for excuses. Honestly, did I expect a, a better pack performance in terms of uh, getting us free from set pieces? Yes, uh, uh, we definitely expected proper uh, set piece platform for us to launch our attack off, uh, which we didn't get to that. No excuses from Jacques Ninaba there, but basically saying they didn't do their homework because they didn't have time. And Willem, just how chaotic was it behind the scenes? Because there was so much speculation whether yesterday's game was, was going to happen or not. Yeah, they were looking extraordinary times, Anna, that's for sure. So uh, when we received this call, I think it was on Monday, or, yeah, Monday, I mean, we were supposed to go to Kimberley to play Griquas in a, in a Curry Cup feature. And then that all had to be moved. So we flew down to Cape Town on, on Tuesday to go into the bubble. Lots of tests being done every day. And uh, yeah, but you know, <laughs> I hate the word the new normal, but I guess it's the new normal. So uh, yeah, the game was only really confirmed by, uh, I think, Friday around 12, like Jack said. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's extraordinary times. But we will uh, just have to manage it. It's now not a. It's now not a situation of day by day. It's really now a situation here in South Africa of hour by hour. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was it a strange situation for you cheering against the, the, the Springboks, essentially? Yeah, I think our guys, if you look at the reaction after we've won the game, they were very, very happy. I was very happy as well. First time in my life I ever, and hopefully the last time, I'll be supporting a team playing against SAA <laughs> or a SA team, but... Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I think the guys enjoyed it. And for somebody like Jan Kursen, who returned from France, I think he was outstandingly good yesterday as well. So, uh, you know, and <laughs> what is interesting is that we probably were out about 12 or 13 of our leading players, uh, notwithstanding those that are with the Springbok team, guys like Marcel Kutsia and Jacques Kutsia, Ulrich Lowe, a lot of them that due to COVID protocols or injuries uh, to about... Uh, Starters, Stepan Hans, Gertie Arons, is with the Blitzbox in, in, in uh, Japan, you know, the Olympics. So it's actually not our strongest outfit yesterday, but they really played very well, and I'm proud of them. Look, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, especially with the, with the climate, like you've, you've, you've mentioned that the this tour is operating in. From a sort of South African club perspective, just how important is this Lions tour to rugby in South Africa? 
Uh, yeah, no, yeah, it is incredibly important. Just from a commercial and a financial situation, you know, it's, it's a lifeline for South African rugby. It's very important for us to survive, you know, with COVID having started last year. And then I think more than that, from a sort of, you know, South Africa is going through difficult times at this stage. Uh, and I think it's just giving hope to millions of people. It's something to, to look forward to every Wednesday and every Saturday from now on the three test matches. It's something that uh, that you can really hold on to and, and it's something positive that that is happening, even though it's under very, very difficult circumstances. But uh, it, it's very important from all aspects, I think, of life in South Africa that this British line still uh, goes ahead and, and, and continues. Yeah, now more than ever as well with everything that's been happening the last week or so. Willem, thank you so much for joining us on Lions Daily. Enjoy the win. I'm sure it's a tale you'll be telling for some time. It's great to speak to you uh, here on TalkSport 2. You're listening to the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. Up next, we'll go some of uh, go through some of the amusing moments of TalkSport's commentary yesterday. It's safe to say that James Haskell enjoyed himself. We'll also chat about some of the big selection decisions, the headaches, facing Warren Gatland this week. Welcome back to the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. Remember, TalkSport is the only place you can listen to the Lions series against South Africa and the first test kicks off at 5 o'clock on Saturday 6 days to go. It is finally happening. We'll also bring you the Lions Daily throughout the week on TalkSport 2. If you missed the show but still want your daily dose of Lions chat and info, it's also available as a handy podcast. Follow and download from wherever you usually get your podcasts from. So, we're into the final section of this Sunday edition of Lions Daily and let's look at some of the big selection issues for Warren Gatland this week because over the next few days all the attention and speculation will turn to who will make the squad for the first test. It already has Everywhere you look, everyone with any connection to rugby is already getting their starting 15 out there. The former Lions second row, though, Ben Kay, told TalkSport that he thinks Gatland already knows his starting team. He will have had a really good idea going into yesterday's game anyway. And I think if you look at the, some of the selections, it, it was just around getting some of the combinations right. So, um, uh, But I think Cowan Dickey it would be very difficult to leave him out now and whoever played in front of him, if he did leave them out would be under so much pressure to have a good game. Otherwise they'd, they'd be out of the team for the second test. So I, I think he will know almost all, if not all of his uh, starting test team. I find that fascinating. A week before he might already know his starting test team. Ben Kay thinks he will. We've, you know, we've heard speculation as well earlier on the show that because of the nature of this week, uh, no midweek warm-up tests now on. It's just about the test matches that Warren Gatlin might announce it super early as well. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because you, you think six days out, five days out, so much can train can change in training as well, could it not? Yeah. Who am I to argue with? Former British and Irish Lion, Ben Kay, former World you. Cup winner, Ben Kay. <laughs> but I you. would be surprised if Warren Gatland has decided so far. It also goes contrary to what we've heard Gatland say as well in his press conference building up to the game at the weekend. Now, there's an element of that which you could say, well, he's not going to sit there before a game and say, yeah, I've pretty much got my starting team. It would be pretty demoralising for some of the players perhaps going out sure. to play. But even so, yes, I think there are certain positions that he will kind of have nailed on, players that are obviously going to play. But as we've mentioned on the show already, and you spoke to Alex Corbisiero about, I think 
there's a lot of positions up for grabs. There's a lot of dilemmas facing him and his coaching team. So, as I say, with the greatest respect, respect to, to Ben Kay, I don't necessarily agree that Warren Gatlin's going to know his starting team just yet. I think those are the conversations that are going to be happening in the next few days. I think Ben Kay's much bigger than you, Alfie. So oh, listen, takes, I'm not saying it to his face. <laughs> I'm not saying it to his face. Um, no, but look, it is interesting, isn't it? And you, you do wonder as well, of course, like you say, Warren Gatlin can't already be vocal about knowing who his, his starting 15 are because that would be completely demoralising. But there's got to be some areas, some positions that are fairly... Uh, are fairly well, I would in, say so, yeah. I mean, I would say Maratoje. I have to... Do you know what? Is going to play. what I was about to say. No matter what you do, and we'll talk in detail about what, you, what you're thinking front row, back row, mm. the rest of it, there is one thing that doesn't change in every iteration of that forwards pack and that is number four Marutoji on yeah. every for everyone yeah I think Marutoji I think there's probably a few other guys arguably Tyke Furlong for example yeah. Josh Adams as well I think there are a few guys that I would imagine and watch me look silly when they announce the team later this week <laughs> that they're nailed on but outside of that it's wide open absolutely um okay one one area that we must discuss after his Lions debut yesterday, a week after picking up just his second England cap, uh, having gone his first the week before. What are three weeks? Four weeks, in fact, when he had the Premiership final in the life of Marcus Smith. Um, he impressed yesterday to a lot of people and Josh Adams also had praise for him post-match. It's mad to think he had his first international cap a fortnight ago and tonight he's had his first British and Irish Lions cap. So, you know, how crazy is that? I don't think many professional rugby players have had a fortnight like he has, um, but he was exceptional, wasn't he? Um, you just got to give him the freedom to be him because he's magic, um, absolutely, and uh, he's got a massive future ahead of him. And he's already steered Harlequin to the Premiership, and I'm pretty sure with him at uh, at, the, at the helm, there'll be um, there'll be a few more to follow as well. You might be disagreeing with Ben Kay, but me and Josh Adams are very much in alignment on all of On the same wavelength there, weren't you? On the same wavelength, completely. And look, it has been sensational. You put in a good performance yesterday. Maybe wasn't getting yourself as as stuck in as we're used to, but there's always going to be a little bit of, you know, first time he's played with this team. Of course it's going to happen. Surely not, though, he will be (laughs) in the squad come Saturday. Surely. I love this. Surely not. I love this because we're all kind of like... Really? I mean, he's not going to, but you're saying there's a chance... (laughs) I mean, yeah. I th- the way I look at it is I, I think m- probably not with Marcus Smith. However, if Warren Gatland opts for Dan Bigger at 10 and Owen Farrell at 12 and yeah. Finn Russell's injury hasn't recovered enough, maybe he does want Marcus Smith as an option off the bench. So I think there's a, a, a slim outside chance. I think there's possibly more chance, actually, that let's say the Lions lose that first test match or maybe even, you know, one of those test matches, the opening two ones, I think there's a chance we then maybe see him come into the squad at a later point. I wouldn't rule that out, but yeah, it it would be a long shot, wouldn't it? It'd be remarkable if he was to uh, get in the the match day 23 for Saturday. I can't help but think if you were Dan Bigger, you'd be a little bit... uh, um... Your back might be up a bit if he marched into the into the into the opening squad. Well, maybe. I mean, he, he's not going to start, is he? I, th- I think bigger and Farrell ahead of him. The no, thi- the thing, is he? No, the, no. Well, exactly. But the thing is, the twelve jersey. That's the thing. I think if Farrell sure. does play twelve, then you might want him on the bench. But if he doesn't play a playmaker at twelve, then it will be bigger or Farrell at ten, and then whoever doesn't start on the bench. Okay. Shall we have a look then at who we think is going to be in this starting fifteen, particularly when it comes to the pack and that back, let's start the back row yeah. shall we we've talked quite a lot about the front row with Alex Gorbsiero as well so let's talk about the back row for you Alfie Reynolds pressure is on how what is the best iteration 
of that group of players to play South Africa on Saturday. You realise this is going to change as well multiple 100%, times. 100%, that's fine. That's, hot, that's all the fun. Well, on Friday's show, I went with Courtney Laws at six, Ben Curry at seven and Talupe Faletau at eight. And Faletau has probably been one that there's quite a few people not naming, but I've always I've always kind of had him there. I really like him as, as a number eight. Having said that, Hannah, I find it so difficult to leave out Hamish Watson because he's been he's brilliant. Been fantastic. And he, he has been excellent. I find it difficult to pass on Jack Conan. I find it difficult to leave out Tyg Byrne, who, of course, can play second row as well, but could also be that kind of number six role that I've got Courtney Laws. To be honest with you, if you were pressing me for an answer now, I'd still stick with my original trio. But I'm. Com- I've already forgotten who that was. Courtney Laws, Laws ben, Curry, ben Curry, Talupe Faletau. Okay. But I'm- Tom Curry. Tom Curry, sorry. Uh, it's very difficult with his brother, isn't it? But it, I, I completely acknowledge that there are so many other players that are worthy of being in that spot as well. It just depends on the makeup of the back row that, that you would like to go for or you think Gatlin will go for. 100%. And it's interesting, isn't it? We've talked about it as well when it comes to, to the six jersey and what impact that has so if you don't start Courtney Laws he's probably on the bench and probably be playing a slightly different position and that's the the benefit of having him him in the squad and no no reflection on the performances he's been putting in on the pitch because I think he's had a very good tour so far I think he's been excellent but I do think Warren Gatlin will opt for a Courtney Laws or you know a bigger body at six which is why partly why I've gone for him now I also think he has been excellent Uh, but particularly Hamish Watson I don't think I had him in my 23 on Friday and and it feels so harsh but there's just so many good options and you know I don't think he's featuring in many because that I have to say having a flick through today of the the papers and the websites and and every everyone like I said earlier who's got any connection with rugby is is sticking their two cents in there he's not featuring much at all and you think hold on a week ago Mm. Everyone, no one could get enough of him, and that's just the, the the testament to the amount of talent that that is available for that front row. Should we talk about back row, because like we said, four you've got it's OG. What we figured out the back, what we're doing at the front, front row. So again on Friday, I had Rory Sutherland, uh, Jamie George, and Tyg Furlong. Tyg Furlong, I'm sticking with. I'm sticking with Jamie George as well because I'm going to go Luke Cowan Dickey on the bench, which is harsh on Ken Owens. I think we've got three hookers that could all legitimately start. So I, th- I think it's difficult, but I would go Jamie George and then Cowan Dickey on the bench because he offers something different. Tyg Furlong, I, th- I think, is is close to nailed on for that position. I am going to drop Rory Sutherland, though, from what I said on, on Friday. I think he has maybe struggled a little bit, whereas he was really impressive at the start of the tour. And I think Wynne Jones on form is, is probably deserving of that starting place. When we discussed before before the show today, and you mentioned that you picked Rory Sutherland on, on Friday, and I was surprised at that because, as I said to you, he's been good, but he hasn't been standout for mm. me. And I think I, I can't quite see him making the cut with who else is available there. I keep keep flip-flopping. I think Tag Furlong, definitely, mm-hmm. he's in there. I think my head, if you're thinking like Ron Gatlin, Jamie George, I was really impressed with Luke Cowan Dickey yesterday. And, 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 you know, as Alex Corbusieri said earlier, he's got so much talent that actually any of those, I mean, Paul Ken Owens as well, he's in there too. It's going to be okay, whoever is playing with the number two jersey. Yeah, exactly. Cowan Dickey's been excellent. We're going to be all right. He's arguably the form... English hooker as well, which makes it funny that I've selected an Englishman, Jamie George, ahead of him. But I'm probably perhaps looking at, at what Cowan Dickey would bring you off the bench. Sure. Whereas, you know, Jamie George, I would still be happy to trust with the starting role. It's so difficult, Anna. It is. Do you know what, Alfie? The good news is it's not actually on us to pick it. We've That's got plenty more days of speculation. We've got as well. more days of speculation. We can change our minds 17 times and everyone will hopefully forget because this hasn't been broadcast nationally. We're fine. And I'm going to apologise to our <laughs> Scottish listeners for the Hamish Watson thing because I know north of the border they will be clamouring for Hamish Watson to, to be in that starting team and I can completely understand why. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's our English bias kicking in. We apologise. 100%. Um, look, there's going to be a lot more selection chat over the coming week on Lions Daily. We guarantee you that. But to finish the show, we thought we'd have some fun on a Sunday. Uh, we wanted to have a look back at some of the uh, slightly hilarious moments from TalkSport's commentary yesterday afternoon. We once again had James Haskell alongside Andrew McKenna. And first of all, James explained why Scott and flanker Hamish Watson, he'll be annoyed at us too because he's one of his favourite players. Hamish Watson, you know, I love watching him carry A, because he's probably got the best mullet in the world, which I'm extremely jealous of. And B, whenever he carries, there's always a moment of disruption for the opposition, whether he's using footwork, he's using his fend, he's using his shoulder. You know, he always gets over the game line. Hamish Watson shouldn't just be in your line squad for his ability, but also for his hair. That's the Haskell take. It is one of the best Barnets in world rugby. There's no denying that, is there? And you always have to have that guy in the lines with the out with that outrageous bias. Well, we've got him and Johnny Hill as well. Yes. So, that, so there's a couple, isn't there? But what I mentioned it to Tim last week when we did the show and, and we did some of Haskell's funny moments. I love how he's able to combine being funny with then actually some quite serious punditry. 100%. It goes well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yin and yang, it works very effectively. Uh, we've just been speaking about Michael Smith actually as well, haven't we? And uh, prior to the match, he said he thought he was in trouble when he was taken down. That's such a 22-year-old thing to say. You get called over for a chat and you instantly think, oh no, what have I done? So he thought he was in trouble when he was taken down the tunnel when substituted for England last week, actually being told that he was going to play for the Lions. Uh, and James revealed the only thing Marcus Smith needs to be worried about. I'm scared. No, I did laugh in his, in his uh, interview earlier when he said he was a bit worried about getting called down the tunnel in the England game as if he'd done anything wrong. And I was like, what is Marcus Smith doing wrong? If I get called down the, t- the tunnel, it's because of some sort of tabloid nightmare or I said something I shouldn't have done or I've upset someone. I reckon the only thing he get told off is probably putting too much gel in his hair or being too good is what he get told off for. Show. I was having a conversation with someone the other day about hair gel and going, who uses hair gel anymore? Like, it's such a thing of 10 years ago, Marcus Smith keeping whatever brand of hair gel it is now in business. And probably getting a very lucrative uh, contract from probably. the Master Alliance. Probably the next face of, oh, I, can't even, I can't even think of a brand. Well, One of them. Others are available. Finally, though, there are certain things that us mere mortals will never know about being a professional rugby player. And when Josh Adams got a little over-eager to engage in some pushing and shoving in the game yesterday, it reminded James about a time he was playing for England. Yeah, he did. He did. I love it when backs get involved. So aggressive. I remember the first time I played against Liam Williams uh, for England versus Wales. And I, t- I tackled him, he got up, he kicked me, stood on me, kneed me in the head and ran, ran off. And I think he said, welcome to international rugby. And it was his first cap. I was a bit confused. But then, and then I talked to him after the game. He was like, sorry, bud. I just got caught up in the moment. And it looks like exactly what Josh Adams did there. Bit fired up, keen. He's been quite quiet this game. Hasn't had a lot to do. Couple of errors. And he was like, right, I'm not taking a backward step. I like the fact there that Liam Williams does all this to Haskell and runs away because he's got the speed that he knows there's not a lot he can do about it to catch him. Yeah, exactly. That's the sort of insight you don't get elsewhere, <laughs> wasn't it? Well, it was funny. I saw, I was watching it at home but had the TalkSport commentary on. I saw my, my TV pictures were a little bit ahead of the commentary. Saw Josh Adams sort of shoving, thought a classic winger is a little bit angry and then Haskell picked up on it. But yeah, it was great to see uh, Andrew McKenna and James Haskell back together. Yeah, getting the band back together. Got to have some fun, haven't we? It's serious stuff on the pitch, but enjoyment is what it's all about. Uh, and we hope you've enjoyed listening to the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. Remember, the TalkSport network has commentary of every single match on the 2021 Lions Tour.